Blog Talk Radio. All the best this morning, and thank you so much for tuning in for our every Sunday morning Bible study. And hi, I'm your host and friend, Reverend Shar McCain. I'd like to welcome listeners to Sacred Sunday. Sacred Sunday was created to just focus on the tenet that Sunday is a special day to set aside some time for spiritual focus, meditation, and prayer. Uh, all faiths welcome. 
I'm a Christian in recovery, and all Bible readings will be out of the Bible study Bible. You may use any Bible you wish. I have had many spiritual experiences and in gratitude. We will have ongoing Bible readings and discussion about our spiritual experiences. I'm just focused on being my real self and carrying the message given to me. And let's say our opening prayer together. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we pray for all the Christians being persecuted worldwide. Their freedom to worship and lives are in great jeopardy. And there are those whose lives have been taken for evil and distorted reasons, and we believe they have become martyrs. We pray for their families and all their losses and that they may find solace in their Heavenly Father. We pray for those suffering from violence here and abroad. We pray for those who are sick in mind and body and those who are lonely and uncomforted. God, forgive us our sins. We pray for those who are suffering from domestic violence in their own homes. And we pray for freedom from addiction of all kinds. Please, God, send your Archangel Michael to fight against every evil and protect all of us and your angels to watch over everyone. Our prayers go out to all who suffer, including the animals that can't speak for themselves. We pray also for the wisdom of our president and the rest of our policymakers. We have many decisions to make, and we're praying for their wisdom and for them to do the best thing for all of us. Because they were appointed our leaders, and we have to pray for them because they need it. And then we pray also for uh, other countries, for problems all over the world. The world is in turmoil right now, and uh, as always. And we just pray that we'll be able to put to grow under Jesus' care as he helps us grow stronger and more in understanding and that we may live this life in the most comfort that we can, knowing that God loves us and that Jesus loves us. May we persevere through every hardship. We keep everybody and their families in our prayers, especially our listeners. We appreciate your attendance and that you listen and that you also listen in archives. We think of you every every day. If you want to get your Bible out, um, we'll go to... uh, uh, if you don't have a Bible, uh, let's go to www.bibliagateway.com or my favorite, www.biblia. The opening music, I just want to remind you, is by Save from the CD Native Angels by Save. And if you want to order a copy, contact savae.org. And they're also on Facebook and they do live shows. Okay, I'm very sorry about that. Um, I seem to have a cold, and uh, I'm sorry if I cough once in a while and accidentally hung up. Okay, so let's start with uh, uh, the. We are actually in Ephesians chapter four, and uh, <clears throat> let's start reading the summary by Harvard students over there at www.schmoop.com. And uh, the, I read that from them because they do it in a humorous way, yet they tell you exactly what's going on. So we're going to read 
the summary from Harvard students right now. It's called Woden Rock and Body. If Jesus loves his little followers, that means they should love each other. Christians have a special bond with each other because of Jesus. That means that they need to be humble, gentle, patient, loving, and peaceful with each other. Easy, right? They're all united in one body because of Christ. The church isn't just a group of random individuals. It's one Holy Spirit, one body, one way of believing in him, and one baptism. So act like it, says Paul. Christians may be in one body, but they have all different they are all different and have different and individual gifts. <clears throat> Excuse me. Some folks are apostles or prophets, some are evangelists, pastors or teachers. It's a mixed bag. But in the end, all these jobs have the same purpose, making the church stronger. People really can't do anything on their own, but together they're unstoppable. Basically, Christians shouldn't act like kids and we change their minds about everything every day. <clears throat> Sorry. Kids are also really gullible and will pretty much believe anything. Kids these days. Anyway, believers need to act like adults, like the parts of the body they are. And if they do the right thing, the body will. But if they decide to stop contributing one day and the whole body will collapse. Yikes. What not to do? Followers of Jesus shouldn't live like non-believers. The Gentiles out there don't have a clue. They they do what they want, and they really love sinning. It's so delicious to them, but that is not what Jesus would do. A Christian doesn't live the same way everybody else does. If you believe in Jesus, you need to toss aside your old life and embrace your new one. The new life involves way less selfishness and way more holiness. That means you shouldn't lie. It's okay to be angry, but don't let it fester too long. Don't let the devil into your life. He's always looking for an opening. Don't steal. Instead, work hard so that you have something to share with those who need it. Don't say mean and nasty things, and be kind, and always rewind. Anyway, Christians have been marked with the seal of the Holy Spirit, so don't take the Spirit off. He's easily annoyed. In short, just dump all the bitterness, wrath, anger, fighting, lies, and bad intentions, and be excellent with each other. Oh, and don't forget to forgive each other. After all, Paul says, God has forgiven you. So let's go to our Bible now. So we're on Ephesians chapter 4. As part of the beginning of the Gospels, and we actually made so much progress. It's, uh, it's really quite amazing. So <clears throat> let's now... Read our Bibles. We're going to start at uh, where we left off last time. So now we're on chapter 4, Ephesians. Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love. Be diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as also you are called into one hope in your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all in all. But to each other, <clears throat> but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of God that Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive, led captive a host of captives, 
and he had gifts to men. Now, this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he also had descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is himself also he who ascended far above all the heavens, so that he might fill all things. And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the service, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to a measure of the stature to which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects unto him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Now this is in relation to the former life. We're on Ephesians 4:17. So this I say and affirm together with the Lord, that you walk not no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluding from the life of God because the ignorance that was in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they, having become callous, were giving themselves over to sensuality, to the practice of every kind of impurity, with greediness. But you did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as the truth is in Jesus, then in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the, the lust of his deceit, and that you renew the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which is the likeness of God, has been created in righteousness and holiness and truth. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak the truth with one another as you with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry, yet do not do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And do not give the devil an opportunity. He who steals must steal no longer, but rather must labor in performing in his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with one who is saved. Let no one no let no unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Excuse me. Let all the bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. So that'll take us up into chapter 5 for next week. So let's read the notes here. Okay, the notes. And four one. Here begins Paul's exhortation for his readers to the, promote the, the unity of the church through godly living and through a diversity of gifts to contribute to the common welfare. 
and then one baptism, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which which brings us to the unity of the body of Christ. And God as Father in four relationships. Here all men by virtue of being their creator and and of the Lord Jesus Christ of Israel and the believers of the Lord Jesus Christ. In First Corinthians, Paul attributes the giving of the spiritual gifts to the Spirit. Here he ascribes it to the ascended Christ. He held led captive uh, a host of captives. Paul uses an illustration in which the triumphant warrior is elevated when he returns with a host of prisoners, receiving gifts from the conquered people and distributing gifts to his followers. Christ conquered Satan and all that he had, con- and, and then all that had conquered us. Hmm. These verses are parenthetical aside to comment on that he ascended to prove that only Jesus fits the description. Then the lower parts of the earth could mean that Christ descended into Hades between his death and resurrection, or more likely of the earth is better understood as an oppositional phrase, meaning that Christ descended at his incarnation to the lower parts of the universe, namely the earth. I think the Greeks actually believe that he descended into to Hades, and that's uh, the way I believe. Anyway, uh, apostles, um, strictly speaking, those who were given direct revelation by God to communicate to men and evangelists, preachers of the gospel, pastors, and teachers. The two ministries are linked together here, though separated elsewhere. And then equipping. The gifts should be used to equip others for service and maturity. Let's go on with the notes. Here begins a long passage ending in, on 6-9, in which Paul draws the logical conclusions in terms of life and morals and that follow from membership in Christ's body. The laying aside and putting on are statements of facts that they have learned to be true by the renewing is something to be done continually the old self versus the new self, and the old is what we were before when we were saved, before we were saved, and the new is the new life we have in Christ. <clears throat> it says uh, 4.26.27, there is anger that is not sinful, but even this not, must not be allowed to stay and fester and give the devil an opportunity. It says wholesomeness, unwholesomeness is rotten, Okay, the Holy Spirit is grieved and pained by sin, especially the sins of the tongue. We've got to watch ourselves. So that brings us to the end of that chapter. And excuse me for a couple of mistakes and a little bit of coughing. Um, I had this little cold on and off. And anyway, excuse me. And let's see. I'm going to find a, a guidepost um, story for us. And... Hopefully it's been before. Okay, so let's see here. Okay, so I'm looking. Okay, I just came upon something, and it's kind of about what we're talking about. It's it's called "Will You Forgive Me," and it's by Victoria Baker, Huntington, West Virginia. I was nervous the day we drove to my home in the Work Relief Center in Charleston, West Virginia. It's not too late to change your mind, my husband Don said. We had he hadn't wanted us to come. He didn't believe that I should meet the man whose image had haunted me for a dozen years. He had tried to dissuade me from the moment I mentioned the visit, but I was as resolute. 
if I was going to live, truly live, I had to see James Winslet again face to face. Twelve years earlier, on a wintry evening in 1982, I was parking my car near Don's apartment in Huntington Side, South Side. Back then, Don was my fiance, and he had invited me over for dinner. I closed the car door and took a few steps, and abruptly someone grabbed me, pinning my hands behind my back and threw me into the icy pavement. I looked up and saw a pair of wild, drug-crazed eyes. The man yanked my hair and punched my face, and I tried to scream, but he clamped his hand on my bloody mouth, silencing me. Angry and frightened, I bit his hand, and he howled in pain. Give me your purse, he snarled. I flung it at him, scared for my life. He stuffed it inside his jacket and ran, leaving me bruised and bleeding on the deserted street. I dragged myself to Don's apartment, finding some solace in the knowledge that I could identify the man who assaulted me. By the time I married six months later, the bruises and wound had healed, and James Woodslet, my attacker, had been given a life sentence. But even with him behind bars, I was haunted by fears. I still trembled at the mention of his name. Once at the supermarket, I thought I saw him and abandoned my half-filled cart in the middle of the aisle, hurrying out of the store in panic. Another time, I stopped my car at a crosswalk when a man who looked like him walked by. I felt a surge of anger and for a split second considered gunning the engine and hitting the innocent stranger. I lived in terror for my life, and after Don and I had children and for our family, I locked all the car doors and even double-bolted the front door of our safe neighborhood. Four years after the attack, I was still fighting James Winslet. Other graver fears intruded my life, but they could not erase the one primer feel and relieve me of the image of the drug-crazed eyes. Nothing terrified me more, not even learning that in 1986 I had cancer. The tumor was successfully removed, but the cancer came back, and I had more operations and radiation therapy but the malignancy returned ever threatening. By 1983, I had spread my lung. I had it had spread to my lungs, and it was told that I had less than 50% chance of living more than five years. Around the same time, I received word that James Winslet was up for parole, and I told Don, "Do everything you can do to make sure he stays in prison." In April, I went to the Ohio State University Medical Center in Columbus for invasive radiation therapy, requiring three days stay at the isolated cell-like room. While there, I lay on my bed, saying prayers for my health. I saw the radiation as light spreading through my body. By his stripes, we are healed, I repeated, and imagined every part of my body touched by the healing blood of Jesus. But I never offered any prayers for the anger and fear that was also riddling my body. I held on to my hatred for the man in the other cell. That summer, I was well enough to go to my two eldest to church camp, and I wanted to savor that time that I had left with them. One evening at campfire, I closed my eyes and listening to the songs that took me back to my girlhood. I was trust when I was trusting and carefree. <laughs> I love Jesus, we sang, and the words became my prayer. That's the last thing I remembered before I collapsed. I see the sky beyond the blue, out of reach of stars. I see my younger brother, Rene. He died at age 12, but here he's grown up. He smiles at me and he sings. My mother, too, is there. The last time I saw her, her face and body showed the ravages of cancer, but now she is healthy and happy again. This is heaven. I hear angels sing in the music of a glorious and anything I've ever heard before. 
I am so close to the angels, I sing with them. Oh, how I love Jesus. Lying on the ground, I feel a hand of God touch the pit of my stomach and move up through my chest and neck with an intense heat. I hear God speak. Be still, he says. Now say, I am healed. I repeated the words, I am healed, I am healed. Then I get up and join the dance. When I opened my eyes, still I was still on the ground, and my friend was standing over me when I told her the good news. I had seen heaven. I hadn't been praying for, for healing. <clears throat> it was just been I've just been concentrating on God and suddenly I seen his realm and the door opened to me and I had seen the beyond. The first concrete evidence of my physical healing came in the fall when I went back to the OSU Medical Center to have my blood tested. My physician, Dr. Ernest Netherferry, was looking for a marker to see if cancer was present. The last time he had run the test, I had a marker of around 100. This time, it was close to five, perfectly normal. I couldn't believe it, Dr. Mezzarat Ferry said. I made the lab run test twice just to be sure they hadn't made any mistake. For me, the new year of 1994, I felt like the beginning of a new life. I could look ahead to the future with better expectations, but in February, when James Winslet camped for Pearl again, I started to revert to the old familiar feeling, fear. I had been so grateful for my healing, and I felt so happy, and had trusted God so completely that I had almost forgotten my attacker. But now the man was back in my thoughts, spoiling my life, and then one night at dinner I announced I wanted to see James Winsett. Don nearly dropped his fork. You can't, he said. I won't let that man hurt you again. For as long as I harbor anger against him, I am hurting myself, I explained. If I can trust God with my health, I have to trust God with his. I don't think I'll be completely well until I see James in person. Don looked down at his plate thinking, then I'm coming with you, he said. After the call to the parole officer of the work release program in Charleston, James agreed to see me, but the man in charge was deeply suspicious of my motives. If you attempt to intimidate him or retry him, she said, the visit will be terminated. We went into the office and waited. Then the door opened and walked a thin man wearing a, a teal sports coat black trousers and shine shoes. How different he was from the person I saw in my nightmares. He looked smaller, older, and a little frightened. James, I said, you look nice. Self-conscious, he only straightened his shirt collar and sat down across from us. Thank you, he said softly. Don squeezed my hand, not sure what more I was going to say. I leaned forward, looked James in the eye, and asked, will you forgive me? Don, James looked at Don and then back at me. I tried to convince myself I was justified in my anger with you, I said, but but it will probably make me sick inside. James listens while I tell him about my cancer and the miracle of my cure. I could already see that another miracle was taking place in that room. It was as if the angels were back with me, showing me how to make my heaven here on earth. James wanted to tell me more about himself, who he was before drugs and alcohol took his life. He pulled two crumpled newspaper clippings, from his pocket and handed them to me. I read about a star high school athlete destined for a great future, an All-American basketball player with college scholarship offers. Kids used to ask me for my autograph, James said. Then he fumbled. I'm sorry I hurt you and your family. We were both silent for a while, then James said, may I ask you something? Will God hear my prayers? Absolutely, I believe that God can change you has changed you. He changed me. My anger and fear were gone. I was free.
The next day, I went to the bookstore and bought a Bible. I had James Linsett inscribed in gold on the cover and mailed it to him with some highlighters and a note reading, Mark, whatever speaks to you, make it personal. It was two years ago, and today James is out of prison. He is dating a religious woman and has a good job at Charleston Restaurant. More important, James has become a friend. We talk on the phone every few weeks, and we exchange cards and letters, and he even had dinner at my home and traded sports stories with my son. That's how deep my healing has become. Nothing less than the power of God and his angels could have accomplished this. Nothing inside of heaven could have made me whole. Amen. And let's say our traditional outgoing prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. I want to tell everybody out there I love you very much and remember that God loves you and read your Bible, stay true to the to God and act act like you're in heaven already. Love you so much. Take care. Bye bye.